0: Monday, so happy Monday. By the time this airs, it will be November. Winter, the early phase of it at least. I'm told the old timers are predicting a hard one. Cold and lots of snow this year. So, we have that to look forward to, but today it's a beautiful day. I've invited Liana Serbonne into the studio today. Liena is a certified nurse midwife and the director of midwifery services at WVU Medicine. I've asked her to come onto the show to talk to us about that and about Tara Westover's mother, Faye, who becomes an unlicensed midwife when Tara is a girl. Since the subject this week is midwifery, I thought I'd start by talking briefly about the births of my two children. I have a five-year-old daughter, Esther, whom I've mentioned on previous episodes, and a one-year-old son, Zeke. Esther was born in Concord, Massachusetts, where I was teaching at the time. Zeke was born here in Morgantown. He was born to a midwife. Esther was not. Both were long labors, like days and nights, plural. And the midwife who handled Zeke's birth was just amazing. She was so present, and she was such a pro. She positioned and put pressure on parts of my wife's body to make her labor easier. And she also pushed her, in this amazing way, to keep going and to be brave because labor is labor. It's hard work. And from what I've witnessed, standing next to the standing, being in the room uh, at two births, is it, it can be pretty painful and also just incredibly beautiful. And I guess there, there's a way in which I, I do envy my wife uh, getting to birth two children. Uh, I'm not sure I would be able to bring the same kind of ferocity and joy to it that she did. Westover isn't much interested in birth when she accompanies her mother. Westover writes, It was mythic and romantic being an intimate witness to this turn in life cycle. But mother had been right. I didn't like it. It was long and exhausting and smelled of groin sweat. Westover is more interested in seeing her mother transform from a quiet, apologetic woman whose eyelids shimmered. End quote, to someone full of knowledge and power and guile. With these changes, Westover sees her mother for the first time, quote, the secret strength of her, end quote. So let's talk about this secret strength and why midwifery might have been the thing that brought it out of Faye Westover. Leanna Serbone attended Harvard Radcliffe College, where she majored in Russian literature, after a gap year working for friends who were starting a Tibetan Buddhist book publishing company. After college, she moved to San Francisco and studied midwifery while working at San Francisco General Hospital, trying to figure out the best route to becoming a midwife. After deciding to pursue the CNM, or Certified Nurse Midwife, option, she went to Yale School of Nursing, where she received an MSN in 1994. She has worked as a midwife in Oregon, Illinois, and here in West Virginia since 1999. She is married to David, and they have three children, all born at home in Preston County. And I'm so thrilled to have her on the show today. So thanks so much for coming onto the program, Nina. Sure. I was hoping we could start, just because I have no idea... If our listeners know much about midwifery, and I certainly didn't before I had children, Mm -hmm. Um, so if you haven't had children or you don't happen to have a midwife in the family, you might not really know what a midwife is or, 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 or what they do. So maybe we could just start with that.
1: So in this country, there are a lot of different ways to become a midwife. In general, a midwife is a person, usually a woman, though not necessarily, who attends births. You know, we say catching babies other people say delivering babies but we say the mom's doing the work so we're just Mm. catching. The the differences in this country are mostly from how people are trained to be midwives. I'm a certified nurse midwife, so I have a master's degree in nursing. So people are more familiar, I think, these days with nurse practitioners. Mm-hmm. nurse midwife is sort of like a nurse practitioner who does women's health, labor, and birth. Okay. Um, most midwives work in hospitals. In this country, 99% of women have their babies in a hospital setting that includes birth centers. And 1% have babies at home, though that has increased... To closer to 2% in the last 10 or 15 years, out of hospital birth has become more of a desirable option. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the people who attend out of hospital births are midwives. There's also um, a designation of midwife, as certified professional midwife. They are often women who do out-of-hospital births, and they do learning modules rather than go to a bricks-and-mortar school. They hmm. do learning modules and then have to sign off on you know, ability testing and then take a test, an exam the way that physicians take an exam, nurses take an exam, mm-hmm. um, and get tested. And if they pass that, then they can be licensed. Not all states license certified professional midwives. West Virginia does not, though we do have some CPMs in the state. Mm-hmm. They don't work off their license. They just work. You can also be a traditional midwife or direct entry midwife, which means which is more like the woman in this book, actually, who apprentices with a more experienced midwife, usually for a lot longer than the woman in the book. Um, mm-hmm which we'll talk about later. I have a feeling. And so until she feels that she's competent to do births on her own with, with her own apprentice or her own Mm -hmm. birth helper. Mm -hmm. So there are also certified midwives who can be certified in a different way than people who take the CPM exam. But the CPM exam is pretty, it's a long process. It takes Mm -hmm. probably two years or so. And I've looked at that exam and I don't, honestly know if I could pass it because hmm. it requires both knowledge of in-hospital birth and out-of-hospital birth, and yeah. I had my babies at home, but I don't attend births yeah. out-of-hospital at this time. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, there's a lot I want to kind of unpack there. Sure. Maybe because you just brought it up, we could start with home births and hospital mm-hmm. births because you just said you had your, your babies at home. I did. And mm-hmm. Those are the scenes we get in educated, mm-hmm. our our home births mm-hmm. too, but it's extremely uncommon. Mm-hmm. So why did you choose to have your babies at home?
1: Well, I didn't want to go to work to have my baby. Uh, okay. Um, and I felt but that— But you could
0: have gone to Mon.
1: Um, yeah, I could have. Well, I was—yeah, that's true. I could have gone to Mon. Although maybe that feels like work anyways. Yeah, um, but I, I felt that it was the safest place for me. I wanted to be in my own setting. I mm-hmm. wanted to have privacy. I did have certified birth attendants at my birth. I had certified nurse midwives and um, direct entry midwives at all three of my births. And we were five minutes from a hospital. You know, people mm-hmm. often talk about— mm-hmm home birth is being unsafe. But the thing that makes a home birth safe or unsafe or any birth safe or unsafe is how quickly you can do a C-section. And Mm -hmm. currently at Mongen, it can take up to 30 minutes to call a C-section because anesthesia is not in-house and the mm-hmm. physician is not always in-house. They don't have midwifery care right now at MON, but when they did, I think like when you had your babies, there was not necessarily a physician in-house yeah. if, if Gail was there doing a birth. And so I live five minutes from Preston Memorial and I could have called yeah. a section in five minutes from my house. So, And there was oxygen at my house and there was Pitocin at my house. Uh-huh. And, so we were yeah. kind of set. So it really is distance, and West Virginia—it's an interesting state because, in some ways, West Virginia would be the perfect place to have home birth midwives—you know, sort of well-trained, licensed midwives, either CNMs or other sorts of midwives. Mm-hmm. The problem is that a lot of places where people live in West Virginia are more than thirty minutes from a hospital that does OB. Mm-hmm. So you have the issue of people um, not being able to get healthcare easily, which is not only a problem in obstetrics, as I'm sure you know. Um, and the question is, can we bring the people to them? Mm -hmm. And we could, unless there's an emergency and it's Mm -hmm. always unless there's an emergency. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, so midwives do everything that an OB would do that a doctor we don't do do, c-sections we don't do hysterectomies we don't
1: do surgery um some midwives do circumcisions. some midwives do vacuum extractions Mm -hmm. Um, midwives in general don't do forceps some midwives do circumcisions as i said we repair episiotomies we repair lacerations we can order you an epidural. That's a question my patients ask. I was like, I want a midwife, but what if I want an epidural? It's mm-hmm. like, you can have both. Yeah. So, um, though we do, you know, our specialty is probably natural birth without medication or an epidural. But,
0: and what is an epidural either. again? Just so be- an epidural people might
1: not is, know. A, is a, is a needle goes into the back of your spine and you get anesthesia. It's regional anesthesia that basically numbs you from just below the breast line down to the pubis. And so it takes away much of the pain of labor mm-hmm. and of birth and mm-hmm. In this country right now, between eighty-four and eighty-six percent of first-time moms get epidurals, mm-hmm. so it's a pretty common um, method of labor. In At,
0: and you said that midwives often—I I forget how you phrased it—but mm-hmm. um, that you you can provide epidurals, but you coach people towards natural births, or
1: well, you know, your birth is your birth, so whatever you mm-hmm. want is what you should have. Um, I think we are more knowledgeable um, in other aspects of. Um, Pain relief and childbirth, Mm -hmm. whether it's walking or getting in the shower, getting in the tub. You know, I'm on faculty at WVU in the OBGYN department, and I train residents, and oftentimes that's what they want to learn from from the midwifery service. We have six midwives now, we just hired a seventh, and so we all um, are faculty members at WVU, Mm -hmm. and so we all help with training residents. And so whether it's changing the position or doing massage or breathing through, all of those sorts of things can be helpful. And even if someone eventually does get an epidural, they're often helpful
0: modalities in the earlier parts of birth mm-hmm. before it's time to yeah, do I mean, and, and having witnessed a midwife at mm-hmm. work, it is an, an, an incredible body of knowledge um, and, and skills to see, uh, because my wife had a natural birth, um, the midwife, first of all, was very present for that birth, and it was a long, or, or for the labor, mm-hmm. and it was a long labor, and that was not true with my older childhood. We didn't have a midwife in which the doctor came in at the beginning and the end. But she was, the midwife was so uh, capable in terms of handling my wife's body as she was laboring her, helping her, through the laboring process physically, but also mentally and emotionally. And that's obviously a big part of the work, Yes, psyching yourself up and, and managing the pain and, mm-hmm. and all of that. So.
1: And it's been said that you know just because the epidurals can take the pain away, but they don't take the fear away. So hmm. um, I know some midwives who don't take care of women if they choose to have epidurals, those are few but there hmm. are some. Yeah. Um, but the thought is, you know, you still have to labor, you still have to get through it, whether you have an epidural or not. Yeah. And midwifery care can be very helpful yeah. in that.
0: Um, well, let's talk about the book a little bit, because you yeah. did allude to it, and the, the, the way that her training is maybe insufficient or um, I mean, or, I don't or think or she was
1: trained really at all. There I was no she, training. I think she went to some births, and yeah. I, I don't remember. I mean, I, I looked over the chapter again, which you so kindly um, provided me with. But I don't, she didn't have to pass a test. She didn't have to prove she had any body of knowledge. She went to a couple births and then she went on her own. I think she was an accomplished herbalist. Mm -hmm. And if you read the rest of the book, there are many um, allusions to how much she worked with herbs and what worked and what didn't. And she studied that a lot, but very little study was done. And I mean, you know, when you're a midwife, you have two patients. You have a mother and you have a baby, two clients, depending on how you want to say. And their lives are in your hands for this time, yeah. you know, and, and during both the pregnancy and the birth, and actually after the birth. And to sort of to not ready yourself for all the emergencies that could happen and yeah. give yourself at least a basic body of knowledge is, is very disturbing to me. Yeah. Um, I think it belittles the profession, uh-huh. to be honest. Okay. Um, and I'm not saying everyone has to be a certified nurse midwife in West Virginia. We have um, a, a nice number of of midwives who've apprenticed um, for years, you know, attended births for 20 or 30 years. And yeah. I think their knowledge is incredible, but it's 20 or 30 years, not 20 or 30 days yeah. or weeks. Yep. Um, and, you know, the mom in in the book, her husband, it was her husband's idea for her to be a midwife. She wasn't called to be a midwife. She didn't particularly want to be a midwife. She was afraid of being a midwife. She brought fear into those births all the time, mm-hmm. which I think also was an issue. Um, and she also didn't know what to do. I mean, playing dumb to the cop, when you're stopped taking the bleeding womb to the hospital is not really a midwifery skill.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that's emerging through the conversations we've had about this book is the, the ways in which the family does things in a kind of a reckless and improvised way. Uh, so, so last week I, I talked to a woman who works with horses professionally mm-hmm. here at WVU. And uh, I don't know if you remember this chapter, but, you know, she desc- Tara Westover describes uh, uh, taking this horse bud out and he kind of spooks and, and runs off and, and her brother manages to sort of bring him to heel. And this woman was horrified at, the, at what she witnessed, you know, that, that it was necessary at the time. But in terms of training a horse, it showed a lot of ignorance um, and uh, an essential lack of care um, for, for how to treat other creatures. And I suspected that that was kind of what we were seeing here with the midwife, with the midwifery mm-hmm. also. And that there's a kind of a pride taken in that, you mm-hmm. know, that, that that they could, that, that she could do this on her own with so little training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I mean,
1: I, I will say, you know, I'm, I'm the daughter of two teachers. I'm married to a professor. I vowed I would never teach. And yet I'm on <laughs> faculty mm-hmm. at the medical school. Mm-hmm. So I'm a teacher myself. But I, I feel like training is important, whether yeah. it's, you know, childbirth education for yourself as parents. I don't know if you and Joanna did that. Um, we did read, with our first. Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. well, you had the best training of all. You had a baby, mm-hmm. which is childbirth ed right yeah. there. Um, but, you know, you read and you thought and, you know, she might have told you how, where she wanted you to be or how she wanted you to support her. Um, and you learned about when would be the right time to take her to the hospital and yeah. what are the things you could do at home and to sort of ignore it completely seems to really sort of denigrate the importance. I mean birth's pretty important and yeah. to take care of it's pretty important. <laughs> yeah. Now that said, you know one can also say 95% of women if they're healthy you could tie them to a tree in the middle of a field and they can have a baby with nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, but have a baby meaning there's everyone's alive at the end is different than enjoying the experience yeah. or having it be sort of nurtured and sheltered and, um, and honored. Yeah um, the way that I think birth should be, whether it's an obstetrician, or a midwife, or a family practice doc, or anybody who's who's going to attend that birth, um, and I feel that the push for the mother and for Tara's mother in this book to be a midwife came completely from her husband. She was not interested. She actually said she she basically almost said she didn't want to, which was yeah. rare for her to stand up to him. Mm-hmm. Um, though what it brought her, as far as prestige and money and respect, was interesting, and I think it was good for her. But you know, why do midwives get honor and prestige and respect because they do something important which yeah. brings respect if you're doing something yeah. important, you should probably be trained to do it.
0: Yeah. So well and I, I wanna come back to the changes that it does kind of bring about in in Faye, the mother, in terms of honor and mm-hmm. and respect and, and, and how that's important for her and for her daughter. Uh, but maybe I, I, I because you say t- you because you talked about the ways in which she didn't want to do this, which suggests to me that it's important that one choose to become a midwife or anything else um so i'd love to hear about your kind of path
1: so to um, this work when i was a teenager i was involved in a in a spiritual community my mother was part of it my stepfather were part of it um in upstate new york and many of the women who were part of that community had their babies at home with midwives so i sort of knew that it existed Mm -hmm. um and i attended um my first labor, I didn't end up being at the birth, was a friend of my mother's who later became a friend of mine um, who had her fourth baby at home. It was a very long labor and it went on and on and on and on and on and on Mm. and on. Um, And I was there to help a little bit with that. And then I didn't end up being there for the birth. So midwifery as a profession was in my, like, I knew that it existed. It was on my radar as it were. Um, And then I went to college and I majored in Russian literature because I didn't know what to major in um, sort of the way that people whose parents are doctors become pre-med. My father was a Russian literature professor. My mother is Russian. And so, you know, that's why my name is mm-hmm. Um So I majored in Russian because I could take grad level courses early because um, I'm fluent in Russian. And um, the end of I think it was freshman year, I wrote a paper for women's studies class. And I, for some reason, picked midwives as The subject of my paper, and I interviewed a lot of midwives, and I thought, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, And so, you know, I really feel like I was called to the profession. And then it was a question of how to do it. Would I apprentice? Would I be a home birth midwife? I studied um, with a midwife out in Berkeley when I was living in California right after college who had a home birth practice um, and thought about that. But, you know, in my family, um, you know, my father's Jewish and everybody gets a degree. And my grandmother, for a really long time, even after I'd been a midwife, kept saying but eventually you can be a doctor right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and i had to explain to her that no i didn't ever want to be a doctor and she didn't hear me and finally i said what if bubby someone said to you well now you're jewish but eventually you're going to be christian and she finally got it after that (laughs) um but it took years Mm -hmm. um and um so i started and also because as i said before 99 percent of women at that time had their babies in hospitals and so i sort of thought i should bring midwifery to where the moms were yeah Um, and just because you have a baby in a hospital doesn't mean you can't have a respectful, private, beautiful, natural or not natural childbirth. Um, and so that's where that sort of came from. And because I had my undergraduate degree in a different um, subject, it was not a science subject, I um, I took a few science classes, but I ap- applied to a program um, at Yale University School of Nursing um, that had a bridge program where if you had un- majored in something that was not nursing, you could get all of your science nursing credits. So I got my whole RN in a year, okay. which was an interesting year. It's 40 hours a week of nursing. Um, and then everyone who went into that program knew if they wanted what they wanted to do. They wanted to be a psych nurse practitioner. They wanted to be a nurse midwife. They wanted to be family mm-hmm. nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. And then you went on to do that. And so you, you got accepted to the whole thing all at once. Mm-hmm. And they have bridge pack programs like that for medicine. I think if, you know, people who, st- who studied philosophy and now want to be a physician yeah. and you do, I think Brown has one, Columbia has one, where you do sort of all your prereqs
0: mm-hmm. at the same time it was interesting to hear you talk about your grandmother mm-hmm. and the sort of doctor nurse thing, or the mm-hmm. OB midwife mm-hmm. thing, um, and and your grandmother's sense that that the doctor is kind of the the logical endpoint, or the, the 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 kind of what what you would want to achieve, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that doesn't seem fair or accurate.
1: Well, I mean, hospitals, I think, are about. The only thing more hierarchical than a hospital is the army, maybe. Um, and so, you know, physicians definitely are sort of the the, the top of the heap in a way. Yeah. Um, I think in our hospital, in our department, and I think most of the people in our department would agree, the docs and the midwives really yeah. work together in a more collegial fashion. I mean, they know how to do more things than we do, but they don't necessarily know to do all the things that we know how to do. Mm-hmm. I know that I don't know how to do all the things that they know how to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure that they realize that they don't necessarily know how to do yeah. all the things I know how to yeah. do. Um, but I think it works really well. And I'm, one thing I'm very proud of, um, there have been nurse midwives at, at, at the WVU department of OBGYN for, for many years, I think 40 or more, um, is that when they send um, letters to residents, OB residents who've graduated, they say, you know, what, would, what were the positives of your of your training here and, and almost all of them mentioned the midwifery service and hmm. learning how to do things in a more midwifery model. Because yeah. when, especially if they go into private practice, there are women who want to deliver on hands and knees or want to deliver in the tub or want to deliver standing by the bed. And, they, yep. and the residents have done it because they've worked with the midwives. Yeah. So I, I feel that we are bringing more information and more knowledge to physicians as well mm-hmm. um, because – you know, 99% of women have babies in hospitals, but about, you know, 82% of women have their, or I think it's actually 87%, yeah, 13% of, of babies are born with midwives in this country. So 87% are born with docs of yeah. one kind or another. And so for them to be able to, you know, play a midwife on TV, as it were, is a helpful skill. And I yeah. think it gives their clients more options, which yeah. is always a good thing for women to yeah. have the birth they want is well, really I, the point.
0: I think a lot of people probably imagine birth as a woman on a hospital bed prone. In stirrups. In stirrups, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which it's it's, Supine, probably not prone. But. Supine, yes, yeah. excuse me. It's okay. Um, prone is maybe more likely, or like on Mm -hmm. on all fours, Mm -hmm. or standing up like you say, or or probably a lot of these different positions Mm -hmm. at different times. Yeah, I mean squatting laboring process. Squatting
1: is the most common position for women to deliver in in the world and I think that supported sit with, you know, people holding her legs that, that women often deliver in the hospital is really a squat but some degrees over. If you imagine someone squatting and then you sort of tip them over on their butt <laughs> to, uh-huh. to a diagonal uh-huh. and that it, it's because squatting opens the pelvis and lets the baby out more mm-hmm. easily. Um, but we have squat bars. We're going to have tubs in all the rooms in our new hospital. So that's exciting.
0: Tubs are key.
1: Tubs are good. Um, but again, I, I think um, there is a Venn diagram of knowledge between uh, midwives and obstetricians. Um, and they certainly are able to deal with many of the high risk things that I don't think mm-hmm. that midwives necessarily can take care of on their own but you know i think we help them they help us mm-hmm. um, and at the end of the day it's good for the client mm-hmm. and that's really the most important mm-hmm. thing
0: well let that that's a good opportunity i think to come back to the book again because uh sort of the relationship between the midwife and the clients <clears throat> uh, and there's clearly a lot of need in their uh in the westover's world in this part of idaho for midwifery services, um, and Faye apparently is the only person who can provide them. But I wanted to just read a passage, and I'd just be curious how you would respond to it, you know. This is at the very beginning of the second chapter, and we are being introduced to the woman who Tara's mother works for, and provides, so first she provides her with these herbs, and then she eventually becomes her assistant, but this woman is very different than um, Tara's mother, and this is how she's described uh, by Tara. She was a short, plump woman in her late forties, with 11 children, and a russet-colored wart on her chin. She had the longest hair I'd ever seen, a cascade the color of field mice that fell to her knees when she took it out of its tight bun. Her features were heavy, her voice thick with authority. She had no license, no certificates. She was a midwife entirely by the power of her own say-so, which was more than enough. So this is, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, and I had sort of talked about it as another way in which the Westovers, uh, although, you know, this is not... This is not Tara or her mother. This is this other midwife. Um, but the way in which they just kind of claim authority for themselves. Um, but, but, yeah, I was curious how you reacted to this portrayal of her as being someone who is a midwife entirely by the power of her own say-so, which was more than enough. Like, is there anything to that? I mean, I understand that, that there's a, a lot of expertise um, and and training that isn't being acknowledged here and that's necessary. Um, but 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 is there another side of it?
1: Well, I mean, res- the res- residency programs are based on an apprenticeship model, right? Mm-hmm. You go to medical school, but then it's the residencies that's actually going to teach you everything, right? Um, so just because you've graduated and you have MD or DO after your name, As far as actually, you know, a colleague of mine said that the lowest possible certification in this country is board certified, which means you passed your family medicine boards or your behavioral health boards or your obstetric gynecology boards. So... The test proves that you know it. I think if you have 20 years of experience, that is something as well. I don't know. I think Judy is the name of the midwife, something with a J. Yeah. Yeah. She had she had 11 babies, so she had at least mm-hmm. those 11 births mm-hmm. under her belt. Mm-hmm. Um, the current midwifery programs only require you to have caught 40 babies by the time you graduate. So, you know, 40... Um, in however many years, versus we don't know how long Judy was practicing. You get the feeling she was practicing for quite a while. Yeah. So, she, and if she was the only person in the area, she probably did a couple of births a month—three, four, five, seven. I Seems don't know. like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she would have gotten a lot of experience. The thing is, you know, the reason a taxi driver can catch a baby is if everything's normal, it's just coming out. Literally, all you have to do is catch it. It's the right. question is if something it goes wrong or something's untoward, um, that you recognize it to take someone to a hospital or to someone who has more training. And so, you know, most of like our new midwives who have graduated that we've hired have not seen all of the obstetric emergencies in the course of their training. And so it's going to be, pardon me, in the first year of their work that they're going to see that. I mean, that sort of rule is by a hundred births, you've had the emergency, you've had hemorrhage, um, you've had, um, you've had preeclampsia, you've had a prolapsed cord, um, you've had a shoulder dystocia, you've had the the things that you need to know what to do with immediately, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's about right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we could ask our new midwives whether after their 100 births they've had those things. I think they have. Um, Postpartum hemorrhage is is probably more common than either a prolapsed cord um, or shoulder dystocia, Mm -hmm. Um, but knowing what to do when someone's bleeding, I mean, you know from your own life, that's pretty important. so I don't I don't think someone who apprentices is, is, by definition, a bad midwife or insufficient midwife. It's just how long and what has she seen? Yeah. You know, I mean, the other piece is they're taking care of a largely healthy population. Mm. Right? That Mormon community, they didn't drink and they didn't use caffeine and they didn't do drugs. And, um, you know, some of them were young, but they, they were farm women. And yeah. farm women do tend to be healthy. I mean, some of them were overweight, and I'm sure some of them might have had gestational diabetes. But overall, it's a healthier population than, say... Working in an inner city project, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure there wasn't a lot of suboxone and methadone going yeah. on there, which is, you know, what we have at our hospital. And so, I guess I'm not saying that, right? Learning... That's a whole other, right? A whole well, other you could thing do a whole other podcast about, <laughs> uh-huh. um, But the point is that if you have a largely healthy population and you've caught a bunch of babies, then can you call yourself a midwife? Yeah. Would I personally want to go with her? To her, probably not, because mm-hmm. what if something happened? I mean. When, when um, you know, our midwives came to us, when we started our care, they talked about what would be important, when would we transfer to a hospital, why would we transfer to a hospital, what they could and couldn't do. Um, you know, Did they have insurance? Did they not? All of those things. And I think that's really important to put out there. Um, none of that was discussed with Faye or Judy or mm-hmm. those people. And again, I have no idea what they said. I don't think the Mormon society was particularly litigious. Right. Um, but if something right. went wrong, was it, oh, this is God's will? Or did people say, oh, maybe the midwife didn't know what she was doing? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important. When you do anything for someone, you know, your yeah. mechanic says, I can do this, I can do that. I can work on this kind of car. I can't work on that kind of car. And your baby is at least as important, if not more important, <laughs> perhaps, than your car. Um, yeah. so, so it's those sorts of things. And also, if she was the only one, there was no word of mouth. Like, I don't know how you and your wife chose, you know, to go where you went for your maternity care. But in general, people talk to other people. And there yeah. is data that... Um, that people spend more time talking to friends and relatives about where to buy a new vehicle than they do about where to get their health care, mm-hmm. which is a little, which is actually just distressing. Yeah. Because yes, your vehicle is important, but I would posit that your health care is yeah. probably also Pe-
0: And People, I think, are very abject and mm-hmm. pa- have, have, have learned a sort of passivity and mm-hmm. abjection. Around healthcare,
1: yeah, they certainly complain though if they don't get what they want. So mm. that's interesting, and I don't just mean sue; I mean mm-hmm. complain. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to stay off the. Mon and Preston County rumor mill because mm. I don't really want to know what people say about me. Yeah. Um, but you know, that, that is true. I mean, a lot of women come to me and say, Oh, you caught my friend's baby or my cousin's baby or someone I work with and they love you. And you know, and that, that's how, that's how people figure out where to go. I mean, Mon has a great obstetrical program. We have a great OB program and we have a midwifery program. Mon did have mm. a midwifery program and I hope we'll again have a midwifery program. Um, but that's how you decide. You ask your neighbor, you ask your friend, you know, you have a baby. Where'd you have your baby? Did you yep. like it? Did you not? How was it? Why, yep. did, why did you like it? Why did you not? And I don't think the women in the book had that choice. Yeah, They could yeah. either go to the hospital, which would impinge upon many of their lifestyle choices and their beliefs, or they could go with Faye. And I think she called herself a midwife, so she must know yeah. what she's doing.
0: Well, I would love to hear mm-hmm. why you think that's the case. Is that a matter of geography? Is that a matter of culture? Um, that, that there weren't, there, there wasn't a more re, re, robust um, more robust services for those women because there are a lot of babies being born mm-hmm. um, and childbirth is important. I mean obviously for all of us, but yeah well that's a problem including here. in that community. I mean
1: that's a problem here in West Virginia. There aren't you know there are many places in the state where people have to go two three even longer hours yeah. for an obstetric provider, which is why you know people have um, satellite clinics. Um, I mean, for us right now, the Uniontown and Waynesburg offices have closed. There's no obstetric care in the southern part of Pennsylvania. And we've kind of, we are opening a clinic. We opened a clinic in Waynesburg. We're opening a clinic in, um, in Uniontown to give those women a place to go. But they're still going to have to come and deliver with us. I mean, yeah. when I first moved to West Virginia, Preston, Preston Memorial had an obstetric department. doesn't anymore hmm. um, because to put an obstetrician or a midwife into a hospital, you have to have enough patients to pay him or her. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, my own family practice doc stopped doing obstetrics because he felt like he didn't do enough births in a year to keep his skills up to date wow. and I felt that was dangerous mm-hmm. and so when I moved to Kingwood because I live outside of Kingwood when I moved to Kingwood there was a midwife there and I was hired to work with her and that was we were it we were the OB yeah. department and there was a doc who retired shortly after I got there um and then they hired a family medicine doc who started to do OB and right now there's nobody there yeah. um though um I actually will be in an office in Reedsville starting in January which is exciting but people can come to me for prenatal visits but they'll still have to come to Ruby to deliver. Yep. yep. Um, and that's far, especially if you have a history of quick, quick births. So I mean, yeah. going from Terra Alta to Ruby, that's a long way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so here in West Virginia, is that you? You mentioned the 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 clinic closing, mm-hmm. um, is that and, and the doctor feeling like he didn't have enough patients mm-hmm. to really keep up his skills? Mm-hmm. Um, is that because of po- the population decline?
1: It may be because of population decline. It may be also because malpractice is very expensive for obstetricians, and mm. so people choose to sort of slough off their their OB liability insurance. I think for small hospitals, they can't afford to keep an OB on staff. And, you know, I use it as an example, but I'm sure in that part of Idaho, it was also, actually, I, when I worked in Oregon, I worked on the Oregon, Idaho border. So that was kind of near where I worked. And, you know, we had a little tiny hospital in Ontario, Oregon, which is, you know, the County seat. Um, But we sent our high risk people to Boise, Mm -hmm. which was an hour away into the next state. Mm -hmm. um, Because there just wasn't obstetrical care, closer. Yeah. So I think that's the case in many rural places. There just aren't enough people to do OB.
0: Yeah. You keep using this phrase caught. You mentioned mm-hmm. that in the beginning, and I'm both very interested in language. And I'm curious if, there, if, if that choice of, of word, uh, catching a baby as opposed to delivering, what, d- delivering a baby, mm-hmm. if there are sort of larger implications of that, what that tells us about midwifery as opposed to other... Um...
1: Well, midwife means with woman. Right. Obstetrics is from obstari, which is to stand by. Obstetrician actually means midwife. Um, so obstetrics came out of midwifery. And so the obstetrician is supposed to stand by, like in case something happens. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that that's how obstetricians always practice. Stand by like, stand in, by, in, in, and just wait, wait, and wait if they need to intervene. Correct. Uh-huh. I think, um, you know, I think midwifery, nurse midwifery comes out of, you know, people are equally trained in nursing and in midwifery. Nursing um, is very different than medicine. Um, you know, medicine, there's a problem and you cure it and you fix the patient. Mm. In a normal pregnancy, there's nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. So then what does the doctor do? It's mm-hmm. very hard. I've, I've had a lot of colleagues who say, I don't know what to do in a normal labor because I don't do anything. I just have to stand there. It's like, yeah, that's right. You just stand there, mm-hmm. put your gloves on and catch. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's hard because if you're trained in medicine, you know, you have to find the thing and fix the thing and do the thing and cut right. the thing and sew the thing. And in a normal birth, you don't have to do that. Yeah. And I think midwives um, – it's actually interesting. I talked to a friend recently who had been at a training. Um, he's actually a gynecologist who had been at a training, um, and there had been midwives at the training about um, perineal floor dysfunction, so people who have you know, incontinence of urine and, and, and you know issues with that area of the body. And in Europe, in England, women, midwives don't even put their hands on the perineum at all. They don't support, they don't do, you know, they can put warm compresses, but they don't mess with the perineum at all. They just let the baby come out. And the perineum is, you know, that part of skin between the, the vagina and the rectum that stretches for the baby to come out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here we're taught to put your hands and squeeze together and protect the perineum. They both are right, yeah. um, but it's a question of how, how much hands-on you're going to have. I mean... You have been at at least two births, right, of your mm-hmm. wife. I mean, who's doing the work in there? Mm-hmm. You know, Joanna's doing the work. Yeah. You weren't doing the work. The doctor wasn't Certainly doing the work. Not. The baby was just hanging out, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> For a so, long time. Yeah. So, I mean, she delivered the baby. Yeah. We caught the baby. Now, if you're doing mm-hmm. a C-section and you're, you know, cutting someone because things are going to go wrong, if you don't intervene, that's different. You're yeah. reaching in and pulling the baby out. But in yeah, a normal yeah. vaginal delivery, we catch.
0: I wanted to talk a little bit about this change that that becoming a midwife kind of occasions in Faye. And just talk about it and, and hear your reaction to it. So Tara describes her as coming into herself. She says at one point... Tara has accompanied her mother to a birth, and so this is her describing what that looks like. We arrived in Mother Transformed. She issued a string of commands to the father, to the mother, and to me. I almost forgot to do what she asked. I couldn't take my eyes off her. I realize now that that night I was seeing her for the first time, the secret strength of her. So this experience for her mother, as flawed as it is, is transformative for both of them, I think, and, and it, allo- it brings a lot of changes to the family, right? The, there's a phone in the house there's all of a money. sudden. There's money that the mother is bringing in. The father has yeah. to kind of go along with that, uh, with both of those changes. And I wonder if you think there's something that's kind of particular to what her mother is doing as a midwife that is drawing out this secret strength, the, the, the ways in which uh, being with a woman, like you said, at birth... Might ha- Maybe it brought things out of you or, or strengths that you didn't know you had or if it's if it's something else.
1: Well, I think any job that you do well brings you strength. I mean, you have a, a young daughter and a baby son and, you know, I don't know, the first time your daughter tied her shoes or read a word on a page. I mean, yeah. n- having knowledge of your own brings strength to all of us in any, um, any discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... You know, Faye was the only midwife. There was nobody else but her. She met the need. I think that can be, you know, very beguiling um, and attractive to somebody. Um, what, what do you mean
0: by that? Well, how was how that beguiling? Meeting Meeting a need that, that otherwise well, isn't because being met?
1: If, if it's not you, they would have nobody, and that makes yeah. you pretty special. Yeah. Um, it's important as a midwife, to to remind the woman that she's the one with the strength. You know, it's not us being there that makes it lovely. It's her doing it that Mm -hmm. makes it lovely, the birth. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have a, a friend, a midwife, um, who is been in practice much longer than I. And she said, yeah, you know, you're getting burnt out when you start thinking about the presents you're going to get oh. from the mom. <laughs> of like, you know, I went to this birth and I was there for two days and gee, I wonder what she's going to get me. And if you start yeah. thinking like that, you should take some time off, yeah. you know? And so there is that. And I mean, people love their midwives, um, yep. because they were there in this moment of crisis and, yeah. you know, being together in a moment of crisis m- makes a huge, you know, it's sort of, it's like, I don't know, it's a crucible of That's some right. kind. Right? Um, But I think, you know, and women have often said to me, like, you do this with me, and then you go in the next room, you do it with someone else, you go the next room, you do it with someone else. And Mm. so it is hard to sort of bring it emotionally. And I think that's something, though, that, you know, that Faye did have, I mean, she was a mother herself, and she was able to be there emotionally for women. Um, So I think midwifery is, you know, the only possible profession ever for anyone to ever have. Um, I don't understand why everyone doesn't want to do it. But I think that, you know, my husband is a philosophy professor. He feels that way about teaching. And, you know, I have I have other friends and acquaintances who do other things and they feel that strongly about what they do. My son is studying, you know, robotic engineering and Mm -hmm. he just thinks it's all that. Yeah. Um, But that's really attractive. I mean, if you've ever spoken to to anyone who is excited about what they do, whether it's sheep shearing or fixing cars or slalom racing, you know it's exciting if they're excited about it. And if you remember, if you think back to like your high school teachers, I mean, if someone's really excited about chemistry, they can make it exciting for you. If they hate chemistry and they're teaching it because there was no one else available, it's not such a great class. And this is a similar a similar thing as you know. And that's why I sort of felt bad for Faye because. Had she been called to be a midwife, not by her husband, which was not really being called, it was being told, I think she might have had a better or different experience. You know, as it was, there were the the trappings. I mean, she got respect and people listened to her because I think in her own house, people didn't particularly listen to her. Her husband certainly did not. Um, And she got money, which she needed. um, And so therefore had some power, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the home. Um, But... Mostly, it's being able to be there for women and babies um, that that makes it attractive, or that that makes us do it again. You know, when when we get burnt right out, my partners and I say, you know, I just need a good birth because if you have a good mm. birth, then you're like, okay, because mm-hmm. the hours are not good. Yeah, <laughs> yes, They're just I noticed. Not. I noticed that. <laughs> so, um, was that a good answer? That was okay. wonderful, okay. and I
0: want to talk more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I was going to say is, you know, for you described. The gratitude with which your clients, mm-hmm. uh, the kind of gratitude they have for you, for having been there, and, and probably that's just about having been at this moment of crisis mm-hmm. together and in this absolutely transformative experience. I mean, my life changed when the baby came out, mm-hmm. and I somehow knew that mm-hmm. as it was happening, and I felt it, mm-hmm. um, which, was, which is just a, kind of amazing to me, and I didn't know what to expect, but I didn't quite expect that. Um, and for us, at our, at, with, our, with our daughter, there wasn't a midwife, but we had a doula. And we had those feelings for the doula, right. not for the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, we, and we were, I mean, the nurses were, were they were there and they were great. Um, but it had been the doula who had kind of prepped us mm-hmm. leading up to the birth. She was there the whole time, mm-hmm. um, and then did follow-ups. And...
1: Where was that baby born? That was in Concord,
0: you? Massachusetts. Okay,
1: there are all kinds of midwives in Concord. <laughs> well, we had we, no. It was yeah. just uh, uh-huh. the
0: the practice we went to ha- uh-huh. ha- was a mix. I see. And so it was whoever was on. It was whoever doctor. was Got on. It. And mm-hmm. our daughter took forever. It was a thirty-six so hour labor. Two
1: people. So we went through two people.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah, and, and that happened. And so it was yeah. the doctor in mm-hmm. the end. And we were lucky actually because we were out. in concord so Uh it was a fine hospital but it was small Uh it was not in boston Uh so there was no rush Uh you know Uh we didn't have to okay 24 hours are up we need to intervene Uh to get this baby out Uh we were able to kind of just have the time we needed Uh um so I was grateful for that.
1: Mm-hmm. And that 24-hour things is a fallacy. Actually, there's no data. There's nothing about 24 hours that's magic. But everyone holds that in their head that 24 hours you have to do something. So yeah. If things are progressing, you don't.
0: I mean. And, just so, wait. but hospitals don't operate with that um, kind of clock.
1: There's no. Yeah. There's no rule about okay. that. They used to
0: say, oh, 24 hours if you're things you're become dangerous. Yeah. I thought. Mm,
1: no, not not unless the the mother is a feb is is has a fever is febrile. Mm-hmm. The baby has a high heart rate. Things yeah. don't look good. Meconium. But people really really think that 24 hours thing, something happens. Yeah. It doesn't I wonder, have to. I yeah. wonder
0: if that's because, because one of the things I was thinking about when you were talking is the ways in which births, which we so associate with hospitals, mm. um, and are a lot of, I mean, they happen a lot. There's a lot of births at any given hospital on any given day. But there's a way in which it sounds like they don't quite fit with the hospital because it's nope. not this, I mean, it's just a thing that has to happen. Mm-hmm. There isn't, like you were saying with doctors, where there's a problem that needs to get solved
1: yeah, the baby has to come out. It might take six hours. It might take 60 hours. Yeah, It's an induction. It might take days. Um, as long as everyone's fine, yeah. you don't have to do anything. Yeah, You can do things. I mean, you know, people now have elective inductions of labor where mm-hmm. they just, you know, they get to 39 weeks and they want to make sure their mother will be there to take care of the older kid, et cetera. And you can ask to be induced. Yeah, um, And there are ways to make that quicker or slower. Um, but that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, you don't have an elective... Like you don't chop your arm off just because you want to, right? You don't mm-hmm. sort of get diabetes because you want to. Yeah. Um. So it's it's different, but it is it's a natural process that's kind of been fit in to um, sort of hospital time, which yeah. is not necessarily always in the best interest of the patient yeah um, and I think you asked at the beginning why you know my husband and I decided to have our babies at home and part of it was that as well as I wanted it to be my party not the hospital's party mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. I, I sort of say that somewhat facetiously but I really mean it it's, you know um, and it's interesting because my dad uh, who had never seen a birth and he was invited to see you know my first birth with with what ended up being his grandson we didn't know if it was a grandson or granddaughter but at the very last minute he said you know I think I don't want to be in the room. I think I'll walk the dog and make coffee. <laughs> and as it happened, he, he wasn't there anyway. He came, he, he mm-hmm. got there the day later. Um, but, you know, in my eyes, I wanted him to see a birth because he'd never seen a birth because yeah. he hadn't been in the room when I came out because at that time they kept the dads in the waiting room. Um, but what made him happiest about me having the babies at home, and this was before cell phones, right? It was, you know, my son was born in, in, um, in 2001, was he didn't have to go through the switchboard to talk to me. Uh, like that was the thing for me. Yeah. He could just call me. Yeah, I didn't have to go through the switchboard. And hmm. it's interesting because it's such a small thing, but it's actually kind of a big thing. My dad yeah. lives in you know at that time was living in Manhattan, and I was here in West Virginia, and I'm his only child. And I was having a baby, and this idea that he couldn't get me if he right. needed me was the hardest thing. Right. But if you think about it, hospitals are that way—you have to stop at the nurses' station, and can you get by, and can you get buzzed in, and you—that's right. I mean, it, it's 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 the hospital's party. That's right, <laughs> right? and only for good reason sometimes. Yeah. you know, infection and. People that you don't want there, right? But it's not. I mean, if you think back to your births, I mean, that room became yours, but was it really yours? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. and and and
0: mm-hmm. and, it, and it was ours, as in my wife's and mine. Mm-hmm. But of course, birth and child rearing involved lots of other people, right. not just the nuclear family, mm-hmm. but the hospital. Because of these reasons that you're mm-hmm. saying, it's not like it's ill. You're not not that it's done for malevolent mm-hmm. reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it does sort of reinforce this idea that this is about dad, mom, and child, mm-hmm. as opposed to grandparents and friends mm-hmm. um, who will be very involved right. in right. making that person who they are. Right, right. So so I guess the book, you know, it, maybe it's nice in that, first of all, I wish we had Faye's book, mm. right? We get Tara's perspective right. on this, right. and right. she's very young still when it happens. Um, but it does, to some extent, maybe take us, help us see outside of, that sort of hospital framework and see birth for what it is or or in some some more i don't know more elemental Mm -hmm. way and that's that's nice that's a service the book Mm -hmm. and
1: she does does she stop doing births after she has that accident because she has the shakes and stuff what makes her stop being a midwife is it not that she is they have that horrible accident everyone gets thrown out of the car the car accident yeah yeah and so she at least knows enough about Safety to to not, to not yeah if she's fainting and passing out and unable to stand up straight because of horrible headaches maybe she shouldn't be yeah. attending births like yeah. that was good yeah it's like yes you're right right and well it's not a good right. <laughs> set of yeah. skills
0: well she doesn't yeah. have her husband's arrogance mm-hmm. um, and like you say she wasn't herself called to it mm-hmm. and so she had she but herself been called to it it might have looked a little bit I agree different. Um, and, 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 and I loved hearing you describe the way in which you work, you were called to it and that it was something you had known as a child. And so this passion that became your life's work was something that was kindled in your childhood. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important too, you know, for Tara, it's singing, Mm-hmm. You know, and, right. and 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 her brother introduces right. her to to singing, right. and that's what drives her out of the house. She wants to go to BYU mm-hmm. to train to become a singer and, mm-hmm. and to get a musical degree, and her life goes in a different direction. A different direction, right. direction, but it's that passion right. that is that is that mm-hmm. is supported by her brother that sort of mm-hmm. gets her on her way.
1: Right. And that's what we wish for, you know, everyone that we care about. I mean, that's yeah. what I wish for my children. Yeah, my oldest has already found what he wants, and my other two are not sure, but that's what you wish for them because then no matter how hard it is to get there it's okay because then you at the end you you get to do the thing that that drives you yeah yeah
0: and and partly you just have to get out of their way i guess and let that happen was there anything else in the book that you that you wanted to talk about Um, i don't think so i i was
1: i have to say i was saddened by sort of phase Interaction with midwifery more than anything else. Oh, really? Could you talk because, about that? Well, because, I mean, what if she had apprenticed and what if she had been called? And what if, even if she hadn't been called, what if she had sort of learned more and been able to sort of help women more than she did? I think she was called to be an herbalist. I mean, yeah. I think she's an amazing herbalist and she continued to do that through the rest of her life and I think they now, there is like an herb company in It's and like sell. a multi-million yeah, dollar exactly. company. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, the, remember that book, What Color Is Your Parachute? Like from way back, was sort of, you, if you figure out what it is you want to do, you, just, you follow follow your bliss sort mm-hmm. of idea and that the money will come yeah. um, and I think, you know, I don't think she would have become a multi-million dollar midwife because I don't think there is such a thing, but she might have continued doing it yeah. to the benefit of her of her community as well, right? Because I don't know what happened when she stopped being a midwife. Yeah. you know, did people just do their own births with nobody there, or mm-hmm. how, how did they go about it? Mm-hmm. Um, so that just made me sad, and it did make yeah. me think a little bit of West Virginia, where some of the more rural areas where we don't have good obstetrical or midwifery care. And again, a lot of things have to happen in the healthcare system to make yeah. that better. Um, yeah. But it did, it did get me thinking on the, those lines when I read really... it.
0: Yeah. yeah, and that's a helpful connection that I myself hadn't made. Mm-hmm. A way in which this book is um, is helpful for us here in the state to think about people's experiences around childbirth. Okay. Anything else?
1: I don't think so. Okay. And I, I don't have anything good. else okay. either. So, All right. Well, thanks um, th- for having me. Oh,
0: this was really nice. Thank you for coming in. Okay. This podcast is a joint production of the WVU Humanities Center and the DA, and produced by Nick Kratzis and Savon Hunter. Copyright 2019.